Andrew, welcome along. Episode 32, the third season of LOI Weekly. We're drawn to a close in the first division, but still plenty of stuff to debate in the Premier Division and FEI Cup. Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald, as ever. Luke Byrne in studio. We will have Tommy Barrett interview that I did with him last night on Monday night. And we will have Andal Reynolds as well about his future and the future of Waterford. Uh, Podcast for Public, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. And congratulations, first of all, to a visibly hungover Luke Byrne. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, what a, what a weekend. Ah, yeah, brilliant. Um, only really coming around today and recovering today, but it was... Uh, you don't look it. No, no, I don't feel it, to be honest, I'm lying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it was a great feeling on Friday and we enjoyed it. They, they, said, said, they said he was going to retire, Dan, a year ago. Saw, they were saying he was going to retire. There was a social media look at him post. Now. Yeah. <laughs> who, said, who said you were going to retire? <laughs> How long have you got? There was an element of the Golden Cleric speech about it, you know, <laughs> all these... Uh, yeah, who did say it, actually? Ah, yeah, a good few would have said it to me and people asked me that, you know, people said to me that people asked them and stuff, but... Uh, I suppose that was just the perception uh, of me a year ago that I'd been injured a lot at Rovers, which you can't get away from. And, uh, I, you know, I just tried to prove people wrong, I suppose, this year. How would you assess your own season? Um, I think I've seen Shells twice. You were centre-back both both nights. Um, how how did you get on in throughout the season? Yeah, I felt like I had a good season, personally. Um, played all but two games, which was my main aim at the start of the year, to stay injury-free and... Uh, Obviously, play a new position, which I've been wanting to do for a while. So, thankfully, I was given the opportunity to do that and I stayed fit. And I think, you know, we have the best defensive record in the league. So, uh, I can take a bit of pride in that. You, you could have gone north in the winter. I think that's probably yeah. one of the options that you had. So, like, what was your thought process <coughs> with going the way that you did? Well, like, to be honest, like a year ago, I was released by Rovers and I was, you know, I just had another operation. It was my fourth in a few years. So, I didn't really have a lot of options at first. I spoke to a good few managers. I was people wanted me to come in on trial. People said, you know, they didn't string me along as such, but it was a couple of conversations. And then look at Luke. I think you're too much of a gamble at this stage. Uh, which look, I disagreed with, but I had to understand that that was where I was at. I was recovering from another injury. I'd been out around six months, so I knew I had to get myself going and keep myself, uh, you know, doing my rehab. Rovers were very good. They helped me do that and. Mm. Uh, I was just waiting for the right opportunity. I had a couple of options to go up north. But to be honest, I would have been going straight into a season in the middle of January and I hadn't kicked the ball since the start of July last year. So as much as you know, I wanted to get going straight away, um, and it, at the time it was my only option, but I, I just stayed patient. I knew that or I was confident something else would come up and thankfully uh, Shelburne rang and gave me an opportunity. What what's the weekend like? I mean, people. I speak to people involved in football, and you you know anyone that's been involved with a sports team, like the, it's the moments after victory that are the best moments. I mean, Shane Dawson uh, comes to mind. Yeah, the, man was, him, in, the right. man was in tears. He was. But like, he's got nothing to do with it. He's just a fan. Like he just ah. happens to be in the media. Like you know, I mean, Shane was. Well, a that's incredible, Dan. He was. A, he was a great guest. Players great, come and go. Fans presenter. are loyal. No, that's you know. true. But like, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm, Easy I, known he's not here. My question. So didn't feel last. Just week, to be clear, John. My question was about the moments that the team share together afterwards when they've achieved it together. With all due respect to Shane, he didn't make too much of a contribution on the pitch. It's so like, I, 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 I <laughs> totally endorse supporters celebrating moments of success. But my question, if you've been listening, was about the moments that a team shared together afterwards. Like that sense, people always say those 10, 15 minutes in a dressing room afterwards. Like how how much are, do you enjoy those moments? I mean, how did it feel? Uh, yeah, well, like, the hour kind of after the game was strange because like, I knew a few of the, the lads, so I wanted to shake their hand, but 
couldn't really get to any of them because the fans come onto the pitch and then you probably look for you know your teammates and your staff to give them a hug and just a look of thank god we've done it but then it's even difficult to get to them because there's fans on the pitch and everyone you bump into is hugging you and kissing you in some cases mm. and but like we went into the dressing room after all the kind of scenes and the pitch had died down and you know there was singing and dancing and champagne everywhere and then it was just a kind of you know it was just like that, yeah yeah like relief was the overwhelming feeling i think because obviously people had tipped us from early on and you know people thought we'd we'd walk it but that, that obviously wasn't the case but it was just a sense of like thank god we've done it mm. so what's saturday like then Saturday was a continuation of Friday. Uh, Friday back to the bar and the stadium and got to meet a lot of the fans and stuff, which was great. The one thing I couldn't believe was just how many people saying thank you. Like, that was the, the common thing. It was thank you. And I think that's when you realise how much it means to people. You know, it's bigger than just us as a group of players playing in the Premier Division next year because during the season, you're quite single-minded and all you're thinking about is, I want to be in that league next year. I want to win this league. But you don't really realise the repercussions it has for the whole club and obviously the fan base and... I think I really realised that after the game and then Saturday was great just to uh, get out with the team and just you know have a laugh and the staff and we enjoyed that and enjoyed Sunday as well. Mm, bit of a shout out from Dermot Connolly and Cormac Costello as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, Morsey found that link when we were sitting in uh, Slattery's and Ballsbridge so that was that was a good laugh. That's yeah. Carl Moore, is it? Carl Moore, yeah. yeah, he's a big guy fan. Played his role on Friday night. Uh, we'll discuss that game actually shortly because I was at it as well. Um, but after the game, I did speak to Ian Morris and um, a particular, um, the exuberant Shelburne member actually is heard at the end of this interview. I think it might be the kit man, but um, here was Ian Morris after the game. Unbelievable. Um, I've I've been promoted three times in my playing career and that certainly tops a lot of them. Um, what a feeling. Uh, every... Every decision is just huge, or every goal, every win is massive as a manager. You just you take everything personally. You take uh, you have so much pride in it, and to go out and, and win the league is, is phenomenal. My first year, um, I've been blessed with a, a fantastic backroom staff. The players in that dressing room deserve every plaudit that's going to come their way. Um, they've been unbelievable. The people at the club, there's volunteers at this club that do so much. Um, it's like the Tracy that, that, that does the tea, her and her sisters, and Afro, and there's Eamon does the pitch. Joe Casey does phenomenal work as the chairman. Shay, there's Dave O'Connor, unbelievable. Youngest, youngest CEO around. And fantastic, fantastic work. Dave Henderson, I, I've, my job's been easy with these people around me. and. Every one of them deserves to celebrate this for, for quite, a while, quite a while. Why does it mean more? Is it just because you're responsible for everything? That you, you, yeah, yeah. you got the, the hopes of everyone kind of on your yeah, You have to manage every every single detail, every bit of training, every bit of preparation, who's marking, your attacking sets, defending sets, free kicks, your shape. Everything comes down to, to you. And um, if it's not working, well, then it's on you. If you don't win, it's on you. It's 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 The manager is the one who, who takes the, the flak for it. So... Um, it's, it's just been a, a roller coaster. It's been a, a massive learning experience, and look, we've got our rewards. Did you feel it all year? Because I mean, you were tipped to win it all year, so there must have been expectation and pressure on that. Huge, huge, yeah. And, and the players deserve massive. I think from last December, uh, everything was put on us. Everything, everyone had the, the league wrapped um, for shells, and the lads have had to deal with that. We've had to deal with, I think, everyone 
every one of the opposition's best performances I think have come against us um, and the players have, have got to take massive credit for that um, and there hasn't been a lot positive written about us um, and I think tonight we've a game to go and we've already beaten UCD's points tally from last year and everyone was lording over that team but look we just we just sat as quiet as we can done our job and like I said the players deserve everything you must have felt some jitters when they equalised oh, yeah, of course of course massive um, they, they, were, they were a threat all night I thought Luke McNally was excellent for them Chris Lyons was a threat Mark Doyle running in behind a very very difficult team to play against and when that went in you're thinking oh because we the pressure of the game, you, you can see it, you've seen it against Bray last week, um, it did affect us and you've seen it tonight, we just deeper and deeper, but then all it takes is just one, one. I think we've got a corner and then we got on the front foot again for a while and scored the second and then Larkin put it to bed at the end, so, um, but yeah, they were in there every few minutes, yeah, when they equalised. What did you make of the sort of yellow card? It initially could have been an own goal and then his brother sent off with some drama in the space of like a couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah, I, to be fair, a couple of them walked the tightrope in the first half. I thought, I thought down the far corner. Um, I don't know who it was, but they, they, they were certainly they were only booked a couple of minutes before they made a foul and then they done another foul. And so it was one of them type of games. I thought that was one thing we talked about this year was or coming into tonight was the discipline, um, discipline and a shape, and then discipline in terms of your your tackling, your talking back to officials. And I thought the lads were excellent. That to me. Were you like a Valentine growing up? Was I? Um, the closest club would have been Bray. Um, when I was a kid, I used to play for Shankill, which is right beside Bray, so we used to, used to go out there, yeah. So, like, would you remember when like, shells were lording it over everyone in the Premier? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. Like, the, the League of it, to be fair, I moved to, to England when I was 15, so kind of you're out of the loop a little bit, so. Um, I assume there's a lot of work in the next three months to get ready for next season now. Yeah, massive, massive. You can, you can start looking at players properly we've already you already have to do your homework I think you're you're letting yourself down if you, if you don't do your homework throughout the year of, of who you could potentially sign depending on what division you're in and um, at least now we know where we stand so we can we can start looking uh, properly I'll be to every um, obviously we've Limerick next week we'll treat that game with respect um, we won't be going out and looking and thinking everything's done um, so we'll get past the Limerick game and then I'll take in every Premier Division game I can till the end of the season He's a legend. <laughs> he has brought Shells back to where they belong. Ian Morris, legend. And you know what? That's for all the doubters. <laughs> ha! Good man, Morrow. I love you. I got to admit, Lukey, I thought you were very much on the ropes to start the second half. And um, I know Drogheda were very unhappy about the sending off, but the more I look at it, I think it was the second yellow card. Um, but they went 3-5-2 to start the second half, and you were under the cosh for 10, 12 minutes? Yeah, I thought that um, the start of the second half, yeah, they had a couple of chances. Then... Um, Obviously, there's the red card, which at the time I didn't think was a red card. It's Did you know? No. It's very honest of you, in fairness. I, I just didn't think he led with his elbow. Um, I know he'd made a few fouls in the first half, so a couple of people said to me maybe it was prefer- persistent fouling, but look, you'll take it. And uh, then, yeah, we went 1-0 up, and you know you were there, and I'm sure you've all seen games where momentum just changes, and it's very difficult to wrestle it back. And... Uh, Look, it's only natural the pressure that was on us and what we were potentially, you know, about to achieve that uh maybe a little bit of nerves set in and we sat a little bit deep and they uh threw McNally up front who caused a few problems and um they gave it a real go. But the more they threw bodies forward after the red card there was a lot of spaces opening up and I did feel that 
you know, there was definitely goals there for us. It was mad, Dan. I didn't actually appreciate it until watching Soccer Republic. McNally got the goal, but he actually cleared the ball kind of off the line <laughs> yeah, yeah. seconds yeah. earlier. And he would be, he'd been thrown up front by Clancy at that stage because he had nothing to lose. And uh, then when he scored, I was like, God, this could get very interesting. But then, in fairness, uh, Oscar Brennan, who we've had in the show, kind of sealed it then with the, the second. Yeah, I felt when we scored the second, I thought, you know, we've given them a bit of a second chance when, you know, they equalised. But I didn't think they'd get another one after that. And... Um, so it turned out. The place was rocking. I thought it was great atmosphere. You know, like the the view. I've never been in the press area as it is in United Park for it, and you couldn't see anything really. Oh there was yeah, no, it's so many poles and there was this and that. But like just the color and like the noise and the three hundred and eighty seven stewards and Gardaí that draw the <laughs> deem necessary to be. I thought it was an amazing atmosphere. Well, sometimes a it's not always draw the deem that as well. Yeah, there's, there's a there's an operation around the game that dictates that's local yeah. police. Have an, you know, local I know party. things are going on in draw as yeah, well. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but it's, it's there's, there's complications for it. I thought it was an interesting game. I was away, like, I mean, when you think about it, that's the league champions in 2006 and 2007, Premier Division champions playing each other in a game of substance. And it seems like both clubs have, I think actually the, the Shell story now, it seems like they're ready to properly come back. I know they've had near misses, like, including one against Limerick, the Colin Scanlon one that, that got them dock up back in the day. Um, and I know they were briefly up and they went back down as well. Um, but it's six but, years yeah and you know maybe they weren't equipped even at that stage really to go up and, and it feels like maybe you look around about people saying thank you that I don't know there seems to be a bit more momentum around the shells thing this time I don't know is it just you know has some of the fan base got a bit older the ones that were kids when shells were ruling the roost the first time around and now they're at a different stage of life and all of a sudden there's a sense of real appreciation of it and I think they are probably going to come back and make a crack of it as opposed to, I don't know, just the last time they were there, but they weren't really there. You know, like the, the, the crowds weren't great. It just didn't have that momentum. And it's funny, like, I, I just wonder, you know, you, I guess Dundalk came back after a period in the doldrums and it sort of rejuvenated them a bit, that long spell. It actually, maybe that long spell in the first division, which nearly kills the club at the time, but it actually might strengthen its core and it's sort of a, sort of a weird yeah, way totally agree yeah. um, and and you would hope I mean Drawd have got a chance in the playoffs as well I mean that's the best crowd they've had in a long time too and, and I, the way the things panned out with the 10 man sort of second half that I don't think they went away I don't think the floating fans who went there probably would have went away really disappointed going oh Jesus you know I think they probably will still be well received in the playoffs so hopefully it's those two clubs are, are pushing back because I mean they do represent a particular time in history you know and like this this period where champions won the league and then went bust almost just as quickly and I think a lot of people around those towns in the case of Drada were soured by League of Ireland football and, and, and they went off it you know I think because just of the fall being as spectacular as it was so um, that's probably the value of the first division that actually it can be a division where clubs can use it to maybe I don't know find find their sort of their purpose again well like we will listen to the Tommy Bart interview but an awful lot of what you said there is consistent with what he talked about being down there and re rebuilding but I don't get the impression Shells are going to go mad next season in terms of like throwing money at it or are you going to go full time are you going to stay the model you have do you think or um, no we won't go full time but we'll definitely take on an extra night so um, we'll still be on the training pitch as much as a Rovers or a Pats it'll just be in the evenings and I think you know there's the extra nine games and um, we're going to need that extra day's training um, next season obviously this year there was only one game a week so um, there probably wasn't as much of importance on training as much as we would next year um, 
But in terms of like the squad and stuff, fuck, that's not up to me. That I want anything to do with that. Obviously, are you under contract for next season? Uh, no, I'm not. No, okay. but and uh, in general, are there are there lads like most of them out of contract? Um, yeah, majority would be. Mm. I'd say yeah, probably a bit like a bit more than half maybe. Mm. Um, but like I think we've got the the bones of a team there that can compete next year, and I think. Um, I always believed it, but I think we maybe proved it in the Bowes game. Obviously, we should have won, but I think we showed we can match Premier Division outfits. It absolutely. sounds like it sounds like you might be expecting to stay though. Ah, yeah, I have absolutely no plans to leave. You know, it's uh, it was a great year to be involved in, and I would like to be involved in building on it next year. When when I started off in Dublin, I used to live opposite Talca Park, and I saw a lot of the old faces that would have been knocking around. That's like. It's a good to twenty years ago now, and a lot of those old faces. Yeah, what you, yeah, what you said there though really resonates. How much it meant to them people, you could tell. Like mm-hmm. it really, really was a, a relief celebration and the joy of sport. You know, um, I was at the car on Sunday and the fundraiser for Pat Smullen. Sport can be a wonderful thing, and it it really it was a lot more in the game on Friday night. I felt definitely, definitely like um, <clears throat> I think someone who kind of personifies that is Johnny Watson, the kit man, who's gone viral on social media over the weekend, but. Like I had a conversation with him on the way home from uh, the Cove game when we got beaten. And look, we still had a nice cushion at the top of the league, but I think the pressure came on a little bit after that one. And he was just talking about like you know what it would mean to go up and the importance of it, and telling me how many years he's volunteered at the club. And you know we were getting home from Cove at two or three in the morning. He was up at five to go to work, and mm. they're the kind of people that you know you speak to on Friday and you really you know it hits home how important it was that we. Uh, we got promoted and your next game final game of the season is against Limerick um, at the weekend Saturday night kickoffs in what effectively looks a complete dead rubber around the games actually it's a bit frustrating actually but yeah. the, the, the four playoff places mm, it's very very you, unlikely this might I think happened. it's just I think it's just a quirky it's a set of results it's, it's kind of down to um, Longford losing um, we'll go through the results actually from last week Longford lost at home to Bray which meant that um, basically Longford couldn't catch draw the Matthew oh, but, that, yeah, that was, but the, the real one was Cavan Teeley beating that loan to, and Cavan, to, make, Cavan to make sure safe. that Bray, yeah. Bray couldn't catch them because yeah. the second and third doesn't really as you say no. um, but yeah, so uh, the results were Cabin Teeley 3, Athlone 1, Drogheda 1, Shelburne 3, uh, Go United 7, Cove 1, Limerick 4, uh, Wexford 1, Longford 1, Bray 2, Go United 3, Limerick 2. That was last night, and uh, I'll talk about that actually after this, but uh, before the game, I did speak to Tommy Barrett, and I suppose with Tommy Barrett this season, it was a case of where do you start? So we've <coughs> we, we've two games left in the season. It's been... It's been very difficult for you on many levels, I suppose. And what's your thought process at the moment? Uh, yeah, look, it's you know you'd wonder is there is there an industry in the country? You know, after the two years you know you put down uh, so far, uh, it's been difficult. You know, you're losing. You know, I think I someone had said the other day I've, I've, we've, I've lost thirty players. You know, <laughs> uh, over the two seasons, so uh, it's been very difficult, Johnny. Yeah. You've mentioned that a few times about the industry in this country, and I think you feel frustrated by the lack of direction, maybe from above, in terms of where this league is going. Yeah, look, I think you know now is the time to is to put an effort in, and everyone has to come together. You know, like we have, we seem to have a lot of infighting between various stakeholders, and there's a lot of politics. Uh, I think everyone needs to set their egos aside now and and sit down and and, and make it better. You know. Um, it has to get better, you know. And look, they're doing a lot of workshops, and we'll see what com- becomes of them, you know. But there has to be, even after that, there has to be an ongoing review. I would say every every couple of years there has to be a review f- process, uh, and see how we build it. You know, you have to. I, I understand you have to. It's not, it's not going to be done overnight, but 
if a plan is put in place, you can't just stick to that plan then for 20 years. You know, you have to review it. Is it working? Are those things going to be done, you know, and have a proper structured review of it? Because, look, I'm involved with Limerick, you know, geez, I don't know how many years, but it must be 17, 18 years now, or six, certainly 15. Um, and, you know, we haven't, it's the same thing, you know, like 2003 or four. you know, we were, you know, and before that, the 10 years before that, there was lads getting, you know, cars driving to themselves to, to matches and stuff like, you know, and not having proper equipment and kit and stuff like that. And, you know, and, you know, players, obviously, you know, it's, it's well documented being unpaid and expenses and wages and stuff. And that was happened 15 years ago. You know, that can't keep happening. And look, I don't think we are the only club where that's happening or it's very low, low income stuff. Other clubs have had the same the last few years. Um, and it's been it's been very difficult but it has to change because it gets frustrating. You know, you think it's changing, you think you're turning a corner, but, you know, we have to set out a plan. And I would even, you know, where where are we going with, with the likes of the universities and stuff? Do we, do we you know, have we no, we've no pyramid system as well, you know? So that's, that's a massive thing as well. There's so much here in my head, I suppose, you know, that, that, um, that it just has to change. Um, and hopefully this is the time, you know, we're, we're four or five months into a review process now, so hopefully it can happen. Sure, you were training in UL and obviously then you were turfed out of there because of things off the pitch and that must be deeply frustrating. Also this season you were going quite well and then financial troubles beset you and then you obviously start to slide down the table because you couldn't pay your players. Yeah, look, we, we were training in UL uh, when I first came in, um, 80, uh, in 2018, you know, but I saw after two months that, you know, obviously we hadn't the finances to keep training there because, you know, it was, it's expensive enough to train the rent uh, facilities full time. So we went to Hogan Park in 2018. So, and, you know, we were even, in, we borrowed a couple of pitches off of likes of Anacati and we were training down Star Rovers, uh, uh, Kings Island Astro six side pitch this year as well at times. Um, you know, so look, we had a very low budget when I came in. That was cut further in 2018. Look, I'm not taking any, you know, I'm not saying that, um, but you're, what, you're um, six at the moment. You could have been thereabouts. If oh, this we, could, we could have been. I think we. I think we were heading. We were going well. We were going well. We were in. We were in fourth position. I think. And um, I think we were. We were heading before the draw of the game. We were. We were fourth and not too far. Maybe fifth. We weren't too far behind. I think we were a point or two off. Um, and it has been, you know, once we lost against Drogheda, we won up, we lost 4-1 and after that then the heads just went and we, we dropped a lot of points, you know, last week was our, uh, was our first win and we had a draw against that loan before that, so uh, it's been really difficult, but the likes of Wexford there, you see them and they're struggling as well, um, but in saying that, for us to be finishing, you know, at least a minimum eight points ahead of Galway, I think that's a fantastic, even if we didn't lose players, that's really good with the resources and the, the players they have. You know, I think that you know we're not going to finish anything less than eight points, so that's that's good for us. My understanding is under the current regime, you're not going to get a license next season. And my understanding also is that the the owner of the club has alienated an awful lot of people in Limerick. How have you managed the situation there, and what is the future of Limerick? Will Limerick even be in the Premier in the first division rather next season? Um, I'd like to hope so. I'd like to think so. I think you know the. There, there was um, went out on social media today. I know that Baker Tilly are looking for uh, um, expressions of interest, so that has to be in by Friday. Um, you know, it, it's been difficult. It's been difficult to manage the whole situation. Obviously, Sean Russell there today as well. You know, we, you know, Sean's a great lad, and he, you know, he was an amateur player playing for expenses, and you know, I, I don't like to see that 
you know, I don't want to be a part of what's happened to him. And you know, I'm, I'm liaising with him as much as I can uh, around it. And you know, the the lift lift have paid for his his um, first operation. So, you know, we're hoping we can get that sorted. But even the likes of that, you know, that needs to be sorted, uh, and that needs to be sorted as soon as possible. Um, those have been the most difficult things, you know, to deal with. Um, but look, we're hoping that you know, I, I think. The club has gone into examinership, and the chairman has put into examinership um, with the hope of 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 hopefully it's surviving, and and that's what we, all we can hope for. But I think, look, the FEI, I don't think will want not want to see a, a Limerick team not in the league. So hopefully we will be in the league, Johnny. Yeah. With all due respect to Pat, who has put in a lot of money into Limerick FC, um, it has his time come. Ah, look, that's difficult. You know, it's not. Look, he's he's there on his own this year, and you know we've lost com- some good administrators behind the scenes. You know, with other commitments they've had. You know, they were there as well with him on the board, and he's there on his own now. And you know, I, I'm I'm reluctant to say anything. You know, too too bad about the man. You know, I I wouldn't do that because I don't think it's fair to 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 personalise it. You know, it's the club, um, and the club isn't running properly at the moment, and it's. You know, it's tough. It's tough for everyone involved. Um, you know, it's it is what it is. You just have to try keep going, and and hopefully that something better will come out of it. Like we've got a lot of young players. I think whoever's there next year, I keep saying that. Um, you know, I suppose I would have wanted to, to to just stay young this year and as young as possibly could. But you know, I was given. Um, I was given uh, KPIs to, to to try finishing in the top four, and to do that, I signed a few. Uh, a few experienced players in a very low budget and, and they've been good for me and we were heading that way but you know unfortunately when you know you have you have all the instances like we, we mentioned there earlier and all them things kind of kind of drain you over a year yeah it certainly do you know it's been it's been a tough two years but it's been a, it's been um it's been an experience Johnny anyway you know you, I've learned a lot from it you know and what not to Probably a lot. What not to do? You know, I've learned, look, I've made mistakes as well myself. You know, obviously, I'll hold my hand up to that. But you, you you've know. put money into your own pocket this time in certain times of season to keep the thing afloat. Is that right? I know, no. In fairness, no. You know, the, you know, I, I haven't really. You know, but we're 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 on a shoestring, and and it's it's um, you know, we've cut we've made a lot of cutbacks and everything like that. But it's 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 tough going. You know, going. Keep trying to keep it going three or four or five days a week, and you have all the negative uh, publicity and and everything that goes with that. It's not it's not great for you know. I have another job as well, and I have a family and stuff, and not like the other players as well. And you know, it, it's difficult in in that sense. But in saying that, you know, we're only doing it, I suppose, because we love it and we're competitive. You know, probably look. I, th- I thought about going in June myself because it was so, it was so messy and it was so long, but that competitive side comes out you know you're doing well you're in fourth position and then what do you do you walk away now with two or three games to go mm. well that's not me you know we're not going to we've made the decision to stay we'll, 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 we'll do that you know I where will you be next guys. season though I, look you don't. You never know you know, you don't know in football that's the way it is you know I, I, you know, like I'm 40 years of age you know um, so I'm young in management terms but I suppose you know I've always been part time Um as in, I've always had another job, even though I was full time in the football. You know, I was doing as many hours as anyone else. But uh, even when I was playing, I, I just never saw the the industry here to go full time. Mm. Uh, it's really brave out of lads to do that, and I think fair play to them that that do do that. But you know, realistically, how many how many teams can you go full time with in this country? You know, you have the Dundalks and Shamrock Rovers. You know, who are who are doing very well and properly run clubs. But other than that. 
it's very difficult to to give your full commitment. And to be honest, in the Premier League especially, you need to be full-time if you're going to do it right and you have to be speaking to the players daily and you have to be... The potential is there in Limerick though. It is, it is, it is. It's certainly there, but you know, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of uh, insight and it's going to take a lot of planning. You know, we haven't, in Limerick, we haven't got um, a place a, a place to train for any of our our... Uh, our teams you know if, so if, if, if you look we, we're hiring places all the time or we'll, we're hoping on goodwill and that's for all the academy teams as well or the schoolboy teams and schoolboy league is the same they, they don't have a place they, they can play you know they're playing out in UL um, and the junior obviously have Jackman but even at that they don't have places to their own grounds to, to train in you know so we need uh, I think like a soccer specific ground or area to, to to train and we all go in together and we all put our heads together and we need to fix those small things first before it goes to a nationwide level. Just, just the, the images of the, the Gardaí come to the ground as well for the young players who were there and young lads who I think one player might even have pulled out of the club the following morning and the voice of his parents because these are kids who are brought into training and you have cops coming down investigating irregular betting um, with guns um, sent down from Dublin and like that must have been absolutely horrible to deal with. Yeah, look, it was. It's not. It's, look, I don't want to comment on ongoing investigation, but you know, it obviously, wasn't nice. Um, but I suppose at the same time, if if something is happening, you know, we'd like to see. You know, we'd like to see justice as well. So, but yeah, it wasn't nice. It wasn't a nice experience. And I suppose, look, I can have a conversation about that another day. Yeah, it must, the whole thing must be very tough for you personally. Yeah, look, it is tough, but you know, you keep going. You, you know, you, I consider myself fairly resilient. I'd like to think so anyway. Um, and you keep going, but I don't want to be playing, getting the violin out. It is what it is. At the end of the day, it's only a game of ball as well. Uh, it's a sport, and you win some, you lose some, and that's what it should be all, all about. If we win or we lose, we should be talking about that, and we shouldn't be talking about this stuff. And that's the problem, you know. Well, unfortunately, it's in, like it's on Modern Ireland, it's in the front page of the papers. Yeah, it, that, that's well. This is the problem. We shouldn't be talking about even any off the field stuff. I'm not just talking about that. We shouldn't even be talking about examinership or any of those issues. I should be here talking to you about football and football only. You know, and it might be a bit thrown in about budgets and getting players next week, or we can't afford that. But you know, I think from the top down, as I said from the start, it needs a it needs a a, a massive overhaul, and hopefully. You know, Noel Mooney is the man and, and the lads are, can do that. Um, I think it'll be difficult. I think it'll be difficult, I think, because the way it's structured and, and all the politics that goes with it and you're trying to keep everyone happy. Um, in fairness to the FEI, I would say in the last number of years, they've got the... At least they've got the... I know a lot of people aren't for it, but at least the, the elite the elite leagues are, are in now. You know, or maybe the ages, some people are saying it's too, it's too much and is it too much of a hindrance on clubs. But I still think that you have to start playing the best against the best. I think that's one of the better things that's happened now. Is there a gap? Do we use universities as reserves? Do we, you know, some lads were throwing them in at 18 and they're not ready, you know. So do we create, you know, a real proper pyramid system? Like we have a Munster Senior League with all Cork teams. Should we have the junior teams looking to go in and uh, to regionalise like a North Munster and a mm-hmm. South Munster, you know, and, and hopefully progress onto a first division. You know, so those things have to happen if we're if we're serious about football in this country. Because otherwise you might as well just go, All right, lads, everyone play and uh, have a game of junior ball and, and go out on a Saturday night and turn up on a Sunday. That's Sunday League stuff. That, and that's fine too. That's great. But 
you know, what are we at? Yeah, you know? I suppose my concern would be between what's happened in terms of in the papers, but also in terms of the ownership of the club, how damaging it has been for Limerick going forward and trying to get people back. You know, I, I work in racing as well and the Curragh trying to get people back because they've been alienated. And mm. My concern would be Limerick FC, where it is for the future, because I think a lot of people are very disenfranchised now. Yeah, they are, but we, we, we look... People will follow success, and if if they think something is new is happening, and and there's a big boost. Look, when when the current uh, lads came in and took over the club, there was a big boost there, and we went back to the Marcus Field, and you know there's potential there. We had we had four thousand people at the playoff last year, you know, um, we were beating well on the night. In fairness to Haps, um, but you know we we have that potential. People will come back, you know. Um, but it might it might take time. Look, in fairness to Galway, you can see what they're trying to do here, and they're trying to build it again. And I, I believe we should have been doing that as well, particularly this year. And, and I have a two, three, four year plan. You know, there's nothing wrong like shells. I think shells are going up at the right time. You know, they didn't need to be going up the last few years. I think they needed to spend a few years in the first division. And look, sometimes we look at it and we call it the graveyard, and we we call it this and that. But sometimes you, we we need that division, and we need this division. And we need people supporting this division, and a lot of good young players are playing, and that has to be the breeding ground. And you saw it with Wexford a few years ago as well, when look when Shane Keegan was there, and he was left his his devices for four years, and he, and he had a group, and he gelled them together, and they got up. Okay, they went straight back down. Fair enough, but, but they never had the investment. But in a city like Limerick, if you had that same process where you have a lot of young players, and you can keep them for and Galway as well, I'd imagine if you can keep them for three or four years together. You can build that, and you know you can you can get something, and you can get momentum behind you, and you can go up that way instead of what we done in 2016, where you know we walked the league, and you know in fairness to shells this year, um, I don't think they've done that. I think they've managed it quite well. You know, a lot of people said yeah, they're bankers, but really when you look at it, like this, okay, the sign killed off, and a few other lads like Oscar Brenner, Brennan, killed off was the marquee signing, but other than that, this designed very well. You know, they signed a lot of young lads, and and part-time pros that wouldn't have cost I'd imagine a massive amount of money um, and even in the off-season or sorry in the mid-season they signed the two lads from Cove you know I would have signed them if I could as well you know two young lads in our region that you know uh, Denzel and, and uh, Jace the two great lads like so you know that's that's the type of um, it seems like they're running it right there you know and that's the type of um, model you need to go off like you know as long as they don't go gung-ho now and be talking about Europe for you know like what happened with us like you know and I think that was a big problem we were talking about Europe too early you know we were 20 years in the first division and we were talking about going into Europe you know you you gotta you gotta build it you gotta build it and it's like anything it, it takes time he did also mention players that had left Conor Ellis gone to Ballynanty players that were now not playing for Limerick and instead were playing obviously junior football now junior football has been very strong obviously in Limerick but Dan um, what do you make of that in general? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole Limerick story is fairly... Um, it's what, choose defla- your words de- kind of de- wisely. De- deflating, I think. Um, and and there, there, only is, there only is so much you can say about it, really. I mean, Tommy Barrett's probably in a difficult position to face questions about stuff that is ongoing. Um, and I think that's the problem everyone f- faces in terms of discussing the topic, that you can't really get engaged in speculation around it but what you can talk about is the broader picture that like it's a couple of years back since Limerick had that run under Martin Russell they actually ironically got relegated that year um, but you did see the potential that is there that was mentioned you mentioned in your chat and uh, 
having been a sort of a, it's funny, like we, we spoke beforehand about how, you know, maybe Shells and Drada, you know, they, they've been rehabilitated. I mean, Limerick, it looked like they had been, but within a very short space of time, they've they've gone back into a condition that's, you know, almost worse than it was than it was before because of some of the, the level of, of, of attention or the nature of the attention that, that's existing around them right now. Um, but it's frustrating because you know that there actually is a latent interest there. Like the interest that they generated that year. Like there are, Limerick, when they have a big game, people will come out. But they have to believe in the club that's there. And it's impossible to believe in the club and the structure that's there at the moment. Have you played um, in the Markets Field? Yeah, yeah. A uh, couple of times, yeah. Yeah, and when you see it, Dan, it's... I mean, I know, like, they've, they've kind of ground hopped a lot. But they have a great facility there if they could if they could like have a sustainable club and my i suppose my two things are whether or not there's any truth to the investigation or whatever it'll stick in the minds of people that um they, they they'll just have their their concerns about limerick but secondly the club itself the way it's been run over the last year i think so many people um have just been completely alienated by limerick yeah and they don't want to I'd, support that team uh, yeah anymore. and i find it disappointing i mean i remember sort of a decade ago or so um, probably would have covered a lot of Limerick stuff around the time they were meant to play Barcelona and I think around that time actually I think Pat O'Sullivan um, and the people there spoke up against the FAI and I was sort of impressed by it and I just I, I find some of the stuff coming from that end of things in the last couple of years to be very bizarre even around like the you know investigations into the FAI and, and, and some statements by Pat O'Sullivan related to that and Clearly, you know, the FBI were probably anxious to keep Limerick going at, at certain points. And, and again, I don't want to get into speculating about various things, but um, they've, they've become a bit of a disappointment. And, um, I, yeah, I, like, we, we, can't, we can't just have this cycle, though, as well of, you know, a club being troubled and then you give a license to a new company. And, and like, that's what we've done over the last number of years in a number of different places in the country, a new trading company. And some very high-profile ones like Cork, but there's others as well. You know, where like a trading company has changed, and you sort of refresh and reboot. But like that still leaves a, a sour taste with certain people. It, it leaves um, a sour taste with a lot of people who owed an awful lot of money. Well, yeah, for exactly, exactly. So um, it's it's just not a great one. Um, it's it's very hard to put a positive spin on it. Um, Tommy Barrett obviously tries there. You know, and he, he will speak about you know young players that have been brought through and so on, but. Um, it's just some of the headlines that have been generated around Limerick um, even going back to last year with issues around pay and players and stuff it's uh, the Sean Russell case obviously this week which has been mentioned as well which is mm. probably a difficult one a difficult one to, to talk about as well because I think the Sean Russell one probably raises a couple of a couple of broader issues as well and um, this whole thing of people playing on amateur contracts um, in what's supposed to be a sort of a professional, semi-professional league, um, you know, it's probably fraught with uh, potential complications. Now, it still shouldn't come to the situation that that he's in, mm. without a shadow of a doubt. But again, it's just an overall shit show, really, and it's uh, it's very hard to be uh, to 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 call it anything other than that, really. Um, they have uh, one more game at the game last night. On a brighter note, Dan, go United. Form team in the division, Lukey. I mean, 
probably avoided us at a good time. I think we've won. If the six season out of seven. if the season ended in twenty twenty three, you might get promoted. <laughs> mm. You know, you're building up ahead of steam there, John. Tom Owen was at the game on Friday night. Um, obviously, uh, young Donald Higgins is on the radar of the nineteens. And just co- the 21, 22 points he finished off the playoffs. I know it's like it's utterly dismal. We're third last, but um, brilliant end of the season. Beat Cork City, brilliant performance against Shamrock Rovers, and um, have won I think six out of seven, if not five out of six, anyway. And um, some of the young players, you know, if they can commit, and as well as that, Dan, I, I popped into the bar last night. What was the bar? Does talk it'll be back for next season? So I, I did see some reference to you on social media saying good times ahead for Galway and I was trying to wonder what that was about was it about the Comers was it about this but it's just about the bar reopening and there are some Galway players who may or may not fancy coming back to Galway next season here's uh, anyway. nothing like actually but let's, let's like a bit of idle talk let, about Galway let, to get you energised yeah. eh? whatever happened let, to your Saudi Galway name mm-hmm. eh? Oh yeah the Saudis <laughs> are up to no good as well of late and we'll, we'll have to get to that in another but to finish up actually on, on not, not on, on to finish up the first division debate nothing to do with Shelburne nothing to do with the playoffs nothing to do with that your experiences of uh, Terryland's first game season I mean it's a great place to play football ah yeah it's brilliant uh, I've always liked going there even with Rovers and stuff uh Brilliant dressing rooms, proper stadium feel to it. Always one of the best pitches. Um, yeah, that no, was a completely nonsense tangent. This has to be said. There's, there's really nothing to there's do hope. with the. Re- we don't have a game for five months now or so. Yeah, like, you I have know. to have some. Maybe hope. you should space it out and bring Galway back in in a month's time when they need it. Like, this is a completely ludicrous tangent. Okay. Get, get on to the Premier Division stuff here. Come on. Results from last week, Dan. Bohemians won, Watford two. What an unbelievable winner for the Blues. Um, just saw it earlier on. Uh, really, really good goal. They, they stood off him long enough, but it was, mm. a, it was a good strike. Uh, Pats nil, UCD nil. Sligo three, Harps one. Now, we've an interesting situation here where it's not so much the narrative of Harps might catch Cork. It's like Harps could be in, in Stuck here because UCD could catch them. Well, that's what Colley, I mean, Colley only when he was here. I mean, he obviously still knew the fixtures off by heart. And, I mean, it's... it's like for Harps to collect the amount of points that was needed, they would need to put together the best sequence of the season, and clearly that's not going to happen. So yeah, it is the UCD Harps angle that is probably the more interesting one. That's a big point for UCD away. You're forgetting the A Sports Cup final as well. Yeah, so the A Sports Cup final was obviously an, an absolutely uh, brilliant game at Brandywell. Um, we'll actually discuss that and the cup draw afterwards. But before all of that, but Watford did be both as we mentioned and more or less eased any fears that they had of getting uh, wrapped up in the relegation struggle. And um, I spoke to Alan Reynolds earlier. I initially asked him how would he sum up the season so far and uh, also following on from that how much of a killer was it that they did miss out on Europe this season I always felt um, the season would be difficult with the, I suppose the preparation with signing players late um, reporting back in with 12 players signed then adding 2 more 14 then a couple of injuries so I kind of always felt that it would be an uphill battle um, you know struggling to start well and and that um Something was a little bit different last year, even though we did add a couple near the end of pre-season. So, um, you know, so we didn't start well. The first game against Shamrock Rovers, and we conceded it late on. It kind of sums up our season a bit. And, you know, we've been very inconsistent, uh, to say the least. But then there's been lots of, of chopping and changing. I mean, to lose Bastian Heary, Izzy, Damien Delaney, for three, um, Aaron joining another one, you know, in the middle of the the season was a blow to everyone, not just on the pitch, but but off the pitch as well. Um, Europe was a massive blow. Um, nobody seen it coming. 
I was working with the club actually to, to make sure we had a license. I was up at the, the meeting with the FEI about our license actually and there was a lot of talk about Europe so I was very surprised. Didn't see it coming. I know the owner didn't see it coming. And the players, I suppose the ones that were here since last year um, felt it and, and obviously we've lost Bastian through it. Like it's one thing that the reason he wanted to go was to play European football with Linfield and to get a taste of that so and, and obviously he was he was our tallies man so it it hurt the likes of him and Izzy and I think from that stage on they were maybe looking could they go further afield and test themselves at different levels. But also when I spoke to some of the players about signing I suppose the big attraction was was um was playing in Europe. So I mean to sum it all up it's been really uh, testing, testing for the players, testing for the staff. Uh, testing for myself but I do feel that we'd be stronger for it um, and we still have a few you know points to to pick up to make sure we're safe um, so that's the way I would see it overall that it's been testing and you know last year I even look at myself and I've learned a lot more this year than last year that's for sure and, and where we could be better and how where I could be better so um, that's the big learning thing from from this year how great has the journey been as well? I know you've you've been away, you've had a good kind of story career, but being back at Waterford, what's that been like? Yes, being at the club has uh, been fantastic because, I, look, I've been away with different clubs for the last few years and always passed the RSC on my way to them. And, you know, I'd be thinking, would it ever happen there? And I really enjoyed it, come in in the first year, in the first division, and, and to get up. And last year was roller coaster. And it was, I suppose, a bit surreal, but um, it's really good. I'm, I suppose there's ups, ups and downs of it when you're from Waterford and it's like anywhere and you're not doing well, you're facing it. If you're facing the public, facing people, no matter where you go, uh, because you're from here, everyone, I suppose you have to listen to everyone's opinion. So I suppose that's the downside of it. You can't get in your car and just drive off and you're living it every minute. Um, the upside of it, I suppose, when it's going well, you're also getting the praise and that. So... Um, it's been fantastic. The facilities down here, the staff, everyone is is really good and really loyal, and uh, they they're in it for the right reasons. They want uh, to see the club doing well. But I suppose under the first year with Pat Fenlon um, being here, um, he was instrumental in, in I suppose building uh, building the squad, the club. Uh, I would have thought, you know, and a great appointment by Lee. Um, and he went when Pat was to go. It was a, it was definitely a blow, uh, to me and to the club. I would have felt, but look, it's been fantastic, and and you know you can see the buzz is back. And I know this year hasn't been as good, but there's a new generation coming into supporters, and it's important that we keep that generation and try and grow and and bring in you know players early and get players signed and and build on it. Obviously, Lee Power as well, Alan. Um, you know he's been such a such a significant figure, I suppose, for Waterford. How important has he been? Like, what would happen without him? Without Lee Power, I don't see Waterford uh, continuing. That's my um, opinion on it. Um, uh, you know, we need him. You know, for the work he's and we're grateful for him. So, um, hopefully, he's he sticks around and invests more and, and have that push for Europe next year. I'm not sure where he is at the minute with it. Um, I know for sure that he's put a, a lot of money into it, so um, it's been difficult for him. Um, but we need him to stick around and, and um, help us try and push on.
Yeah, and I, I got to ask you as well, where where will you be like next season? You know, will you be at Watford? Will you be somewhere else? What what's the uh, vision at the moment? All going well. I'll still be. Um, the plan is I'll still be here here at Waterford. That's the discussions I've had with Lee and over the last I suppose few months. Um, so we, we hopefully we can build on something, but I think a lot will depend on Lee's um, what Lee will do and going forward. So um, the plan is, as I said, stay here, um, try and build on what we've done, and I don't think without Lee Power. I don't think uh, it'll be possible. So, as I said, I think a lot will depend on Lee. From uh, one club uh, named the Blues to another, Dan, and blue is kind of the colour in terms of both these clubs at the moment, if you're to read a certain interpretation. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Watford. I'd have concerns. It's been a very up-and-down season. Um, Obviously, there was uh, the, the European thing falling apart. In fairness, at least they've done well to consolidate and um, beat Bowes. a good result, but I don't know. Where is this going to go from here? Yeah, I mean, it does depend on Lee Parr, just from listening to what uh, Alan Reynolds was saying there. And I mean, that is the, always the problem with a club that relies on the benefactor to keep things going. I mean, you are reliant on, on them. Now, you, you would hope, again, it's sort of like a recurring theme. I mean, Waterford, the fact they got, you know, from, from having 100 people at a game to having, I remember being down for the Cork game uh, last year, and, and there's been a couple of other games where they've had like three and a half thousand people in the RSC. So again, it shows that people will respond if there's something there. So you would hope that if there is maybe a question mark over the ownership, that someone else will see the potential, or or there, there's some some grouping locally that can have a look at it. If it is the case that they need, they might need some help. Um, yeah, like they, they've survived, but this is always a problem. Like there's obviously discussions and debates around structures and stuff at the moment and like a club that sort of finishes sixth or seventh um which you know Waterford are going to finish this year um so there's no European prize money uh they might get into the the, the chocolate cup like you know where do they go you know like they, they're in this limbo and this is the problem that we face when when you have teams at the top that are so dominant um and it's the club sort of in the it's like the squeeze middle or something that they're they they where do they go? Um, do they completely overstretch to try and catch up? That doesn't really make business sense because how much would they have to spend to really, to really challenge, say, the top two? I mean, I mean, they got into Europe, which which was the natural progression forward for them was well, at least you get into Europe and you recoup some of your money, and then that be taken away from them. Um, it was pretty cruel. As much as it was, look at the rules. The decision was made, but just take that out of it. For well, also, he alluded to the players like, yeah, signing he, on the base of playing in Europe. Yeah, that's like, the human level of it as well. But, but I mean, well, something went badly wrong there. I mean, mm. again, I mean that's an FEI issue, really. Like mm. you have to play by the rules. I mean, UEFA made the call ultimately, so there was obviously assurances given that were inaccurate, um, completely inaccurate. So it's, it's obviously a massively complicated case, but um, it is the problem that the clubs in the, in the middle of the, the Premier Division table face. Just generally, I mean, Limerick and Watford, you need strong teams from these, um, like we have very few cities in this country, but Limerick and Watford, um, what have you made of it in, in both, I suppose, particularly Watford though? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's disappointing really from kind of a neutral's point of view to see kind of the fall away a bit this year. Obviously, a lot is, um, like you said, dependent on Europe in terms of signing players and then losing players midway through the season. But we went down there last year a couple of times and the place was bouncing and it's a great facility. Uh, I know a couple of lads down there, they speak really highly of the training ground, even going in in the morning, having like, you know, breakfast, your kit washed, stuff that maybe in the grand scheme of things isn't massive, but it's, you know, just 
shows how professional they were and they were doing things right and the league needs as many teams competitive as possible because looking at it at the moment it looks like the top two are kind of pulling away quite quickly yeah like I was just looking at the table earlier Bowes are third like Bowes have lost 10 of their 31 games so the third best team in the, in the league has lost a third of his games more or less so like the gap is is so big but like if you if you have a league that doesn't really have any sustainable prize money model unless you get into Europe I don't know Dan like how how are they, how is this going to be solved because like I oh, know that's completely the know, problem like so we, you need you need a, a, a league with money in it Johnny somehow. like it's the 32nd part of the season over 3 years like I'd say around two out of every three we probably have the same chat mm. we can't just repeat ourselves it's pretty obvious it's a it's a massive problem um I, and I don't know. I mean, like we're having discussions and debates around structures now. I mean, does changing the size of the league um, really matter if you don't? If you're still faced with those fundamental sort of bottom line issues Absolutely. Related, related to to funding and to you know the, the marketing and and TV and etc. No, it doesn't change. So um, that that's that's where we are. You know, that, 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 that's where we are. That, that, that 13 billion that um, Apple may or may not owe the government, some of that just could actually go to some good causes in Ireland, including um, sports, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, doubt it'll happen, though. No. Um, in any event, did you watch the game on the Esports Cup final? I got to see pretty much the majority of it. Got, the, got to put on in a hostelry in La Hinch. Oh, yeah. yeah. How so, was your trip? Oh, was good. Good yeah. trip around good, Ireland. Good. So it's always a challenge to get it put on, but I managed to get it put on in, in, a, in a pub in La Hinch and quite a few other people just started watching it then. Um, looked a good game. It was, yeah. Like, it was, a, it was a strange one. It was entertaining. Like the... Derry with, with uh, Grant Gillespie getting sent off and Derry going the 10 men probably changed the whole flow of the game because I was at the, the cup match uh, the FEI Cup match a couple of weeks back, which Dundalk won three two, and like it's it's it's, it's strange. Like the last three D- Derry Dundalk games have finished two all after ninety minutes, um, mm. and there's a real, um, you know, there's there's a sort of Derry have an ability to cause them a lot of problems, but once they were, once they were down to ten, as much as they tried to get out, it was very much. 11 v 10 with the dog having a lot of the ball but not really doing a huge amount with it it must be said I don't think they were that good um, they were nearly they actually in the first half there was a period in the first half with 11 v 11 where they actually played much better than they did later on and I suppose Luke can relate to that you know you're playing against a team with a a man down they can they can they can be a day it can be frustrating because the team with 11 probably thinks it should be on top and then maybe sometimes try and force things and and I must say as well, it was pretty obvious as well coming through, even just watching on TV, that the wind and the rain and the elements were a factor as well. So, so actually, like watching it wasn't like this is this is high quality stuff, but it was just entertaining because it, it was a cup yeah. final. Um, and it's like it went to pens. I mean, Dundalk's penalties were were pretty good. Benson probably just goes to show, you know, you can have six hundred points in the leaving cert, but you still can't be too clever sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we tried to go for the the sort of the your Eurovision, the your Eurovision knowledge is no good to you now, son. <laughs> you know, but uh, Shields with the winning penalty. Like I mean, this is a, a massive story that's brewing, but it's this but is the thing. Yeah, like like, like before they get are at halftime, the draw of the game. Jim McLaughlin and Paul Doolan were both on the bench or on the pitch, and part of that treble win. Uh, team and that that is a big narrative here. It is, and it's just creeping up on people. I mean, if the Dock win their next three matches, uh, which is Waterford, uh, Shamrock Rovers on Monday, and Sligo Rovers the cup game Sunday week, they're ninety minutes away from a treble. Something that hasn't been done in thirty years and has only ever been done once. And the fact that they've had to go to Derry twice as like key stages of that journey adds to it. But 
I don't know. It's because the Doctor have been so dominant. It's not actually, and, and they've won, like, say, X amount of leagues and cups in recent years, and they've won the A Sports Cup a couple of times. That no one's really looking at the collective as a thing. Like, it's Vinnie Parr's first season in charge. Um, he could go into history joining Jim McLaughlin only if that happens. Uh, and it's not really, it's just sort of lingering in the background. Mm. Um, Did you watch the game, Luke? Where no. were you Saturday night? Do you um, remember? At that stage, we were... Coppers. No, did you actually no. go all... Like, when did you start drinking on Saturday? Was it all day jobs? Did you sleep at all? A um, couple hours, yeah, a few hours. Yeah. Um, and then we went back out early early afternoon. Strict instructions from the manager. To go back out? Yeah. Love it. Love that, Dan. None oh, of this screw. nonsense. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And um, so you, you missed what was a... Well, it was a pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable cup final. Yeah. Um, I do watch all the games on TV, but obviously... Um, Saturday he just didn't really fit into the schedule. He was in his own zone. He's not going to give yeah. us any analysis on the game, nah, John. He was, he was picked at this stage. But like <laughs> the, the the whole concept of like the dogs. I mean, I think it's because I mean Rovers are far closer, and you're obviously way closer to the Rovers scene because you were there, and you probably you know you you'd have probably a lot of friends there still. That it does feel the Rovers are much closer than they were. Yet Dundalk are on the brink of something as well. And yeah. it's, it's sort of a strange. We were talking about it off air that they haven't necessarily got. There hasn't been much chat about it, I guess. Yeah, like I don't like. I think um, a lot of kind of how people maybe see or judge Dundalk was going to be based on Europe this year, and even though they got through a round, which looking back was even more impressive considering where Riga and stuff got to. But um, they've just gone under the radar, and like you said, they're on the verge of something pretty special. Um, I do think, though, speaking about Rovers, I do think they are getting close. Like the league games have shown that. Even maybe last year, the league games would have shown that. But Rovers just needed to find that bit of consistency, which they found now. And um, like I'm hoping for a a Rovers Dundalk Cup final, which would be um, Jesus. You know, it's pretty. You played for Bowes as well. It's pretty controversial. Yeah, not afraid to say it. He's burned a few bridges there. Not afraid to say it. Yeah, I know. I still have a lot of friends up in Rovers, and you know, uh, whatever about Bowes. Yeah. I have a few friends there as well, believe it or not. Um, I was I was thinking of the, the like obviously both are true now. I was thinking of you giving out about like the amount of people that will want to be in Daily Mount. Surely they could you know the the, the Connick Street end, I know it's like a safety hazard, but just throw the Rovers fans there. Bose fans could take a chance on us. I mean, what's the worst <laughs> that can happen? Imagine Dan, you could fill the place out, the old Daily Mount. There could be twelve thousand people at that game. LOI Wiggy does not endorse <laughs> the preaching of health and it, safety regulations and endangering Shamrock Rovers fans. I just important clarification in there this is that was a statement by johnny ward not affiliated to aerosport or <laughs> in any way do not do that this is going to be disaster for tickets like well i think by the time i mean the way tickets will obviously be allocated in whatever way rovers choose to do it but i think with the home tickets i mean by the time they look after members and season ticket holders there won't be now i think you wouldn't you wouldn't have as many tourists coming to the game as you do the, the, the daily <laughs> mount derbies because they would book yeah. it a while in advance but yeah like i mean i'm not going to repeat what i said last week but it's obviously annoying that you're going to turn away a thousands of people from a match thousands um, absolutely thousands and and that's what's going to happen but it's 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 still going to be an occasion to savor it's it's brilliantly poised it probably is as much as rovers got the win in tala this is probably annoying they got the win in tala and everyone's like you finally beaten bows was the last game of the season but now they have this potential for bows to screw over their season <laughs> again and it's probably like so getting beating bows at tala was one thing just not even not just beating them at tala just beating them full stop was the thing but now i know right well how i would probably approach it in terms of even previewing the game it's like well you've done that but actually at Daily Mount they haven't done it you know they, they have to go now they have to go to their place the place get, will be and heaving. get this win and Bowes have this sense of destiny from like the cup semi-final last year and, and this was where 
everything fell asunder. And and so they have this sort of redemption mission and it's rovers. I mean, it's it's like it's it's thrilling in terms of the how it's going to be set, but the devastation that the that the losing camp are gonna feel here is gonna set them back. Like I mean, this is the problem with Rovers. Rovers have stepped forward this season, right? But if they lose to Bowes in a cup semi final, I'm not saying none of that counts, but it's gonna exactly leave, where you're but it's from. gonna leave an unbelievably sour taste mm. on their campaign. Whereas actually, if they were to get past that and even lose a cup final to the dog, I think it would be completely different. I think it would I be want a draw and a replay in Tala and the drama that would entail. I should mention... Uh, you get your replay, John. I should, get your replay. I should mention uh, Bose fan Eric Lawler, uh, my fellow actor. We were both tagged in a Fair City uh, 30 years celebration. Um, Two comedians, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this is... Oh, where are you going to be? Like Rovers end, Bose end, wherever you can... You know. Ah, if I could get a ticket, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. We look after I, you. I can't go into the Jody, can I? So, yeah, you can't go into the Jody. Nah, wouldn't be the best idea. No, yeah, I was in the Rovers end earlier on in the year in the first game up in Dadement. But I think what Dan said is important like, psychologically, for Rovers after beating them the last day, the monkey's off the back a little bit. Yeah, but it, kind of, but like the, la- the last day is broadly irrelevant, like because they're not going to beat Dundalk. So, um, I think they're kind uh, still of relevant in the context to, to of a degree. The like they did a great job. night, great night and all that, but they have to get to a cup final. I think they and 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 I, I think if Sligo might have some hope in the other one as well. In that, um, you mentioned Dundalk, they weren't like they weren't amazing in Derry. Sligo are hitting a bit of form. Um, obviously scored three against Finn Harps. Showgrounds is going to be hopping as well. Two great cup semi finals, has to be said. Ah, yeah, brilliant. Um, Sligo obviously beat them down there already this year, didn't they? So mm. uh, it'd be you that's really a long could, time ago. You really could yeah. see any, you know, any pair of them going through. Um, but I do, I do a fancy Rovers Dundalk final. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I, to be honest, like I think most neutrals would probably want that. Um, as much as it'd be great to see Bowser as well. Should mention Dundalk. They've conceded thirteen goals in the league this season. They've lost two games, and somehow they could win the treble and become somewhat under the radar. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I think that if they got to a cup final, I think that. It would suddenly become a much bigger thing. Yeah, but it's just it's it's slipped under the radar now. Like obviously, you got the Dubs doing an incredible thing five in a row. But like a treble is a is a massive mm. sporting achievement as well. And I think probably there's an element there's there's a crossover that because now they have the best resources and the best squad, people mightn't think it's like that much of an achievement for them to do it because I think they almost should be doing it. But what I would say is like, you know, we're coming up towards the end of the season, award season, and and so on. Um, like I'm not so sure that like the Dundalk are going to necessarily be scooping massive awards individually. Daniel Cleary must mention got the Player of the Month um, for what month was it for August <laughs> um, for his for his goals and assists. It's only a second Dundalk player this season to actually win it. Interesting. Bows have won more, so there is a feeling that there's, there's individuals elsewhere where Dundalk really has been the team. And actually, what Vinny has done is rotated in a way that I don't think a league winner has really rotated before. That was a big difference, from particularly Kenny in terms as well. of the. Well, that if you're talking like what's the difference between you know Parrot and Kenny, say mm. that is something he's tried to do, um, and they've managed to do it seamlessly. Now you need the players to do it, but. They obviously must have a reasonable mentality there that, that it hasn't put noise, noses out of joint. I'm Absolutely. not hearing stories of lads being, being miffed. And, and, and That's a big deal as well, Luke, because I don't over. know how... It's very hard to manage that. Massively, yeah. It's, uh, I hadn't ever really thought of it until Dan said it. Like um, He's just that type of guy. He introduces these new notions <laughs> all the time. But oh. yeah, he's obviously done a great job um, and his staff have done a great job of keeping people happy. And I suppose the fact that um, he's been able to dip players in and out and they've had so many games that... 
I reckon all of them probably look back. They've all probably played close to twenty matches. Quite a few. Uh, yeah, there really is. So. I mean, there's, there's all the defenders. Yeah, you know, and yeah. actually, you would know. Like people will always say, you need a settle back four. Yeah. Like, that's one of the one of the great sort of footballing lines. They've had nothing approaching a setback no. four, and they're still getting what they've conceded thirteen goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a ridiculous stat to be honest. That is really impressive, and obviously just shows the quality of all the players he's got at his disposal. And look, he trusts them, and they've uh, they've repaid him. Um, fixtures on the big battle in the Premier Division looks to be the battle for Europe really at the moment. Um, third and fourth, very much up for grabs. But the weekend, Cork Finn Harps, um, that's a big game for Harps. Obviously, Derry City Bohemians, that's a huge game for the battle for the top four. Mm-hmm. UCD Sligo, kind of a must win for for UCD if they're to catch Harps. Watford against Dundalk, um, you know, Sean Clover's hoping against hope something might happen there. I think, I think the, fact that, the fact that Watford are almost safe now probably, yeah. you know, it takes something away. I wouldn't say that that the UCD style game was must win for UCD because they do get the chance to play Harps. But I know what you mean. Mm. Like, like if you it's look at the fixture list, like it's one of those. The only thing is, like if if you get if like if Dundalk win the league early, um, which it looks possible that they might do so, then. Uh, and if say Rovers have a focus on a cup, you, you suddenly might have games which look very difficult, and are still going to be difficult because of their squads, of course. You know, mm. but the the the, the complexion of the run. I think Bowes played on Dock on the run in, for example. And the one thing I also should mention because we're, we're not going to be doing another pod um, before it. Like the Dock obviously play Waterford on Friday, and if they win that, they win the league by beating Waterford on Monday. But Rovers are playing Bowes on Friday in Daily Mint, which is the season-defining game. So they're going to Oriel on Monday night, really trying to... Okay, there's a psychological blow he can strike, but really, artificial pitch Monday night against a team that'll be at full tilt. Do you want to play your best players in that game when you're going to Daily Mint four days later? Like, what's more important? You know, this is this is a point. Like we're building up this big Dundalk Rovers clash. I love we tried to get Stephen Bradley on today. He's going to come on at the end of the season. That'd be great. Like, if you could they, ask they have a big enough a fair point. Though. They have a big enough squad to do yeah. it. I mean, like you, particularly in midfield. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're worried, like what, like that pitch up there, things can happen. What, yeah. if, what if you lose Jack Byrne to a, to a, just a muscle thing or something in that game and he can't play against Bowes? It's possible that that Dundalk Rovers game on Monday may not be what we expect it to be. You know, that's it's just just if, a if it is on air sport, I don't know if it is, but we disassociate all uh, Dan's comments there because it's on, it's on RT. It's on, it's on RT. RT. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing game. Anyway, well, but for the dog would be amazing. It's a, it's a fair the, point. The dog have a chance to win the league, yeah. so it'd be great for them. And I'm sure Rovers would love to like spoil the party because that's all it is. It's not about Rovers trying to win the league now. Mm. I mean, I think you mentioned it, Jack Byrne. Um, what do you make from against Ireland? For Ireland, rather against Bulgaria. Ah, yeah, he was brilliant. Um, I wasn't really surprised at all, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, it was a different game totally to the Switzerland one, but um, he just really did what he's been doing all year, and um, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. Obviously, ever for the league, but I think Dan made the point that he'll probably be in the next squad, and it won't be, you know, the the token gesture. Um, Has your mate Berkey given up on his international ambitions? No, not at all. No, sure, he's come home now to kickstart his career again, mm. and he's playing well. The last while, scored a couple of goals, so. He's someone who's got as much talent as a lot of those players, and I'm sure he'd be looking to get back in. It is interesting. I think it's one. It's probably one for like a, an end of season show. The one thought like Rovers have made great progress, but like Jack Byrne has been excellent. That if if he if they do lose him, like that's going to present them a challenge. I know they have Burke who can probably slot into you know a role very easily, but I think we're talking about the evolution of Rovers. But it's very much linked with Byrne and and how good he's been this season. It's the one slight niggling thing that you assume they're going to get closer next year again because they've closed the gap. But 
potentially losing someone that good. Absolutely. Which they might this winter. It could be a massive, like a massive test for them, you know, because you, you now realise how lucky they have been to have a player that quality Absolutely. in their squad. And no club can, you know, no club can afford to lose players like that and if not affect them. Yeah, um, and just, just uh, we will get the first vision to wrap up. What did you make the 21s? Can't uh, let you go without that. Did you see the game? Yeah, it was class. Yeah, it was... Uh it's just brilliant to see them go and you know see them playing the front foot and create so many chances and I've got wrapped up in the hype of the whole. Come on, come on, Lukey. Um, yeah. They're just fine at the moment. I think you got wrapped up down a bit. I think you you, you were you used the word um, phenomenal or something. Uh, I, I thought they were sensational. Sensational, but yeah. I think you know that it still is only tw- under twenty ones as well. Like I think. Um, it was amazing, Lukey, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, w- I don't think I'd be wrong to suggest that. Like, I'd say, I'd say there might be a couple of Irish, like senior internationals. It might be getting a bit sick of all the twenty ones stuff, <laughs> including the manager. Yeah, going well, yeah, but but I think even for players as well that, I mean, the twenty ones still have a fair bit to go. Like they're doing great at that level, which is brilliant, but. I think there's an assumption now that like if the twenty ones went out and played the seniors, they like, they'd blow them <laughs> off the pack or something. Let's just rein yeah. that in a small yeah. bit. Yeah. Good you know? to see Hendrick uh, scoring at the weekend as well, um, one of the more senior players. But at Lone Town, Go United, this is a difficult one, Dan. The only ground in the League of Ireland I haven't been to. My most local ground to where I'm from, Lissy Wollen. Are you going? Saturday night, um, dead rubber, why not? I think I'll go along, yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Be a, I don't think. I mean, good run. I think a, a, a round, pitch. a round of dead rubber first division fixtures doesn't intrigue me in any in any degree. I don't really want to preview these games, John. We we have to talk about Lukey lifting the cup because he hasn't lifted one since. Well, so we're previewing a trophy lift. That's yeah. what we're doing. Right? <laughs> How are you going to lift it? <laughs> Two hands. Yeah. Over the head. <laughs> I haven't got much practice so I'm not sure but this is the other thing Bray and Drogs could have been a massive game as yeah, it, it could have been this is great yeah. Co- Cove Longford it's like re- looking through your phone book to look at guards Sh- you might have gone out with what <laughs> <laughs> Sh- <laughs> you've done on occasion I would say John Shells Sh- <laughs> Limerick uh, Wexford Cavantili all joking aside I'm looking forward to going back watching Premier Division football in Tolka Park next season I would be sad if Tolka which probably will happen goes the way of other old football grounds. I think it's a great old... A, a bit, admittedly antiquated, but there's a bit of a magic to it. Ah, yeah, it'll be rocking next year, particularly, you know, Dublin derbies and stuff. Um, Against Bows, of course. Bows, That'll be good. Pats, yeah. Rovers, I mean, we're guaranteed six yeah. at home, aren't we? So, um, like, there's been some great atmospheres there this year against teams that don't necessarily bring a lot of fans, like, you know, Bray at home, and I'm just looking there, who else do we play at home? Longford. You know, there was some, you know, close to 2,000 crowds there this year, so... Um, looking forward to next year. Yeah, yeah. The, the night, the night, um, the last night I was there as an away fan. When, when uh, the last night I remember when Galway United got into the playoff final. The atmosphere there that night. It's it's old, mm. but it it retains atmosphere like like few grounds. I think you know. And um, uh, congratulations anyway, and thanks for coming in. Thank you. Um, I think that's about it, Dan. It is, John. Yeah. Um, that's it. We're we're coming towards the end of the season. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks to Tommy Barrett, uh, thanks to Ian Morris, and thanks to Alan Reynolds. That was season three, episode thirty-two.